Hello and welcome back to another episode of the FT LOL podcast, or should I say Buongiorno, as today we're joined by Rory from the Anglo-Italian pod. Ciao. Hello guys, ciao Jack, how are you, come stai, you good? Good, yeah, you good? Yeah, not bad, not bad, Milan is starting, we're getting spring Milan, which is nice. It rains a little bit, but when it's sunny, it's beautiful. So, like, w- Milan in the winter is pretty miserable. So, it's nice to see it starting to become a bit more beautiful, a bit more summery. It's good. We survived winter. There we go. We did it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've only been Milan in uh, in February, so it was kind of mm. on the cusp. It was it was decent weather, to be fair, when I was there. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you can a, get lucky. It does get cold and it's pretty grey if you get out on a bad day. Um, but at the moment, it's beautiful. How are you? I'm not. I'm being rude. How are you? How's London? Uh, we're going through some things right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if you've heard, but yeah, shit's hit the fan a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm observing from the outside. About that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, why we've got you on today? Uh, I, I could not think of a better person to get on because we will be looking at the top 10 British players abroad ever. And as a Brit slash Irishman mm-hmm. abroad for the last 10 years, um, you know, you're going to know what it's like to go to foreign land and, and do well in your career. So yeah, <laughs> you'd be the perfect person for this. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it's the one time, the one time, one of the times I'll compare myself to a to a to a professional footballer. But yeah, I think like obviously English players don't travel very well, and they don't like to go to other countries. And I think maybe it is a cultural thing from England, um, and it is it's a topic that's really interesting to me because it's like why don't the players move abroad when every other country has so many exports? Why is it that England doesn't? And then when, I don't know about you, but when I see players do really well abroad, I get, like, really proud. Like, mm. even seeing players like Chris Smalling have a really good career at Roma now or Tomori yeah. killing it for Milan, I'm like, I get really proud of it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get why more players don't do it. I mean, we're starting to see it a little bit more now with, mm-hmm. the, with the youngsters and stuff. But, I mean... Everyone really speaks English anyway, to be fair. So, like, <laughs> there, is, there is a bit of like, and I'm guilty of it myself, of like laziness towards learning the language and mm. um, accepting the culture completely. Because when you go abroad, and as you said, I've lived abroad for 10 years now, in every country I've been to, the people do want to practice their English and they are obsessed with British culture. So it's quite Mm. easy to just live a British lifestyle, even when you're in someone else's country. So it does take that effort to kind of push yourself. And I think because British culture obviously is so not strong, but so like um, popular, it kind of means it makes it, it's easier to be comfortable. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how, how did you find sort of coming up with this list and, and get into your tent. I really enjoyed it. Um, I The one thing I did notice was that every list, every video, every kind of thing I researched, it was the same names coming up and up again. And again, yeah, it kind of reminds yeah. you how few have moved abroad. Um, but I think it also reminded me of parts of players' careers I might have forgotten about or I didn't know about. And I'm like, oh, they were actually better than i thought or they were better than i remember or they were better than my dad told me if you know what i mean it's like just learning new parts like what did you what did you find yeah so i i think there was probably a core of about 15 players Mm -hmm. that that i could have possibly picked so it was quite it's quite a small size really so yeah it, it was probably one of the easier ones in in kind of coming up with a 10 because there wasn't 
there was just enough to choose from. Yeah. Like, I weren't scrambling around for names, but yeah, it wasn't like a load of, uh, does this guy make it or not? So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good, uh, good topic though. And I think in a few years when we did this, the list might be a bit different because some players are going abroad pretty young these days. So if they, they have a long career out there, then yeah, they, they're going to have a chance of making this list. Well, that's it. Exactly. I think you're right. In like five, 10 years time, we'll see that there'll be yeah a much longer list because I think a lot of players now, rather than like just sitting in the academy or realizing that they might not get their chance in the Premier League, they are taking the chance to go abroad. Like even if we talk about Arsenal, Smith Rowe going out on loan at um, RB Leipzig was huge for him. Like Reese Nelson yeah. at Hoffenheim was big and now he's starting to low-key kill it at Feyenoord. Like we are seeing the players taking that risk and seeing the um, the benefits it brings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good... It's a good change. It's weird that it's sort of taken Brexit almost for the people to actually start going abroad. But yeah, we won't get into that because that yeah, not now, not now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we kick off in the list. Then who who have you got at number ten? Okay, so number ten, I thought I'd go for a bit of a wild card. We're starting in a league that maybe people might not think about that much. But with my Arsenal hat on as well, I thought I've got to in- include him. It is the son of the great man himself, Ian Wright, Bradley Wright Phillips at New York Red Bulls. I think people don't think about what this guy did. Oh, seriously. I, I had him in a 10 as well. I thought that was going to be my little... Oh, really? Rabbit out of the hat, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this this was going to be my big my big reveal. Well, yeah. Jack, we're, great we're minds think alike. Here. That's what they say. That's it, yeah. <laughs> he's he's still one of the top scorers in in MLS history. It's mad because he didn't really do anything in in England. But as soon as he mm. went to the MLS, he just turned into a different player altogether. It's kind of like Mitrovic in the Championship <laughs> yeah. compared to in the Premier League. Yeah. Well, that's it. I was and I was looking into his career. So he he was at Southampton and they got promoted from League One, I think. So he was mm. playing in like the third division, and he was doing all right. And then he got this move, and all of a sudden he's playing up front with Thierry Omri. Yeah, and it's like it's this mad. Like I remember at the time, obviously, people who don't listen to my pod won't know, but I grew up watching Crew Alexandra. And we had a striker called Luke Rogers, and he was okay. And he moved to New York Red Bulls and went from Crew Alexandra to playing up front with Thierry Omri. And it just blew my mind. And when I saw the thing about Bradley Wright Phillips, I was like, can you imagine that? You've gone from like third division and you're playing alongside one of the greatest strikers of all time. And then he goes on to become the league's all time top goal scorer. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird because like, the MLS does get a lot of hate and it's not the best league but mm. it can't be it can't be that much worse than the championship and yet no he struggled he struggled a bit there and he's just yeah he's absolutely killed it in in america really it's it's weird because like he was put he's putting up numbers similar to well he's probably putting up better numbers in america than Henri was yeah 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 well, yeah well he got I was looking again. He got the top scorer two times. One season, he got 27, 28 goals, I want to say. And he scored like five hat tricks. He scored loads of goals in the derby. Like, I think he just found a place where he was really happy. I was like trying to, I was trying to figure out where the MLS would be. Like if you compared it to a European league, what level it would be. And I was thinking maybe like Holland or Belgium, or maybe that's being a bit, unkind i don't know what league would you kind of put it at i was trying to figure out what the level would be i i think belgium's probably mm. a good shout yeah yeah because so i think it's I competitive think... and there's good players yeah. but it's not there's still some way to go right yeah yeah i think that's probably about right yeah but yes this it's a very good career that he's had over there like and yeah i think it's good to include him because it is this is about I think you've done the same. It's it's not about how good they were as a player. It's it's purely about their their overseas career. So if you're just yeah. looking at what they did overseas, like he's hey, he's a bit of a star over there. So yeah, that's good start. Great minds think alike. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And now this blows my mind. He's retired. So Ian Wright's son has retired. It makes He's me feel now, isn't he? His as grandson well. is now playing for Stoke, which just yeah. oh god, it makes you it does make you feel old. Um, mm. it does make you feel old. But Bradley Wright Phillips won two supporters shields. Now I'm gonna talk like I know what these are. I think the supporters shield is the MLS, right? I think that is the league. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and, and then, then he won playoffs or something after that. I think. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I was looking into how it worked, and all American sports I find very, very complicated. Um, so he won three supporter shields. Sorry, I took one off him and one Campeones Cup. Again, not sure what that is, but a good career, a very good career in New York. Being a professional sports person in New York must be the best thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's locked out there, I think. <laughs> yeah, fair play to him. He's done very well. He's done very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think so. So, um, should we go for your number nine? Or your number 10? Well, we've got your number 10. Uh, your number nine, yeah. right? Yeah, my number nine. I did think, oh, is, does he count? But he played for England. Owen Hargreaves. Okay. Nice. Okay, I've got him a little bit higher up, but I'm glad we're allowed to include him. Um, so why did you what why did you pick Owen Hargreaves? What did you think? Um, well, one he is one of the few on this list that played most of his career abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of whenever he played, whenever I saw him play, whether it be for England, Bayern, even at Man United as well, like he was a good player. But he was yeah, he's particularly good at Bayern. It was just. The injuries got in the way, and I, th- I think he'd be higher up for me if he was mm. on the pitch a bit more. But that Bayern side, because they obviously now they win the league all the time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they went for yeah. a period of not really winning the league. But that was kind of after he left, and when he was there as well, they were pretty dominant, and he won sort of four or five Bundesliga titles. And I think the Bundesliga then would have been more competitive as well. Than yeah. Than yeah, it is yeah. now, and he he won the Champions League. I know he wasn't a massive part of that squad, but yeah, Bayern were, you know, they always have been a big name in Europe, and for him to be in and around that squad, just shows like what a top player he is. He's one of them. He always was sort of seven out of ten when I saw him play. Yeah, yeah, no, massively. I think he was like super reliable, right? Apart from the injuries, that was always the story. Yeah, of yeah. it was the injuries, right? Um, but that Champions League, I think he did start the final. So I think he played in the final. Um, and that was in his first season with Bayern. He won yeah, the he sort of rode, rode into the, the team and his influence in that got bigger throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously he went on to achieve kind of even more at United and City. But I think he was always, I think he was like, I kind of got this feeling about Eric Dyer, but obviously Owen Hargreaves is is better about a kind of English player who grew up abroad. Like, oh, he mm-hmm. didn't, he did like he grew up and learned football in another country, and now he gets to play yeah. for us. Like, it felt like quite an exotic thing, right? Yeah, I remember it, finding it very weird when he was in the England squads. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he just stood out because he was the only one that was in the foreign team, and he sounded different. And he does have a weird out, accent, right? He has a yeah. weird accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, well, this guy was born in Canada. So how is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he counts somehow. Wasn't there a boxer? Wait, who was the Canadian boxer who boxed for the UK? Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis, right? And then there was was there yeah. a tennis player as well? I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not Gre- good with Gre- tennis. Gretzky, yeah. That's him. Yeah, they got, I'm, I'm terrible at tennis. I think yeah, because yeah, Canada's yeah. like in the Commonwealth or something, maybe that's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. The very yeah. 90s thing, it feels like, 90s, 2000s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So who have you got at number nine? At number nine, I have gone for, and I found it really hard, of, or I found it really difficult where to place this guy on the list, because I feel like maybe I'm disrespecting him a little bit, but it's Gary Lineker, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, played play for Barcelona between 86 and 89, 103 appearances, 42 goals, which is pretty good. Like, mm. a goal every other game, pretty much. The yeah. only thing that surprised me is the trophies he won. I expected him to have a La Liga, but he won the Copa del Rey, 
and the Cup Winners' Cup, which is good, but I was surprised he didn't have a La Liga. And that's why he's a little bit lower down on the list for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the time. So probably a couple of years before he joins, Maradona would have been sold mm-hmm. to Napoli. I had him a little bit higher. To be honest, it's probably listening to him on his... Okay. I don't know, you listen to the Match of Day podcast at all. Um, yeah, I've, I've listened to a few of them. And they're really good. They're really good. And yeah. listening to his sort of stories about Barcelona and, and kind of, you know, learning a bit about it through that way, I've put him a little bit higher. And probably the main reason is, I think nine's probably fair in terms of what he's done in his, his career abroad, actually. But um, back in those days, you could only have, well, you could have as many foreign players in your squad as you like, but you could only register two. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For him to be one of them too, and play as many games as he did in those uh, three years there, because you had like people like Mark Hughes was there, but he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't really playing. So you know, you had to be you had to be proper special to get mm. to get one of them two foreign slots there. So that's he's he's not much higher to be fair. He, um, but yeah, he's he's a little bit higher man. But yeah, he didn't win anything. I think his first season was, I think, his best because that's when he got the hat trick in the El Clasico. El Clasico, right? Yeah, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think he's a bit of a cult hero there. Because when I went to mm. the new camp and did the stadium tour and stuff, there's there's quite a bit about 1980s Barcelona. So there's quite a bit nice. of like Maradona and uh, and um, Lineker and stuff. So yeah, he's. No, I he's think a that's it. I think that's a good shout on the on the like the slots, like how many slots you have, because it also it put a lot more pressure on the foreign players as well, right? They arrived and they yeah. had to be good because you're one of the two. Like if you're crap, you've wasted a space. So there is a lot of pressure there as well. Yeah, and I think there was one point in the seat, probably around that January or something, they were allowed to swap it out. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be like, oh shit, I've got to do good. Because <laughs> if I'm not doing good, they're gonna swap me out for Mark Hughes or something like that. And you sat about so, for yeah. six months waiting for the transfer. It must be the easiest easiest pay packet because I'm guessing the foreign imports were going to be on more money probably than than a lot of squad. You, and would, you would assume so. Yeah, yeah. They're still training and stuff, but they're not, yeah, they're not playing. They're not even allowed to be on the bench. So, yeah, interesting. Just getting paid to keep fit. That sounds all right. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Free yeah. gym membership. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so your your number eight, who have you gone with? Number eight, I have gone for a player who I think is vastly underrated by English player by English football fans at the moment. People forget how good this guy was. I think yeah. he's become a bit of a like punchline to jokes because of his general calamitous nature. But Kevin yeah. Keegan. I've, I feel I've like found it's really difficult to rank to rank mm. Keegan. Again, I've I've got him a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I don't know. In terms of like English players, I think he's one of the best ever. Yeah. Well he's he won the European player of the year two years in a row, right? Mm. Um at that point, the only players who had won it more than once were Di, Stefa- uh, Di Stefano, Cruyff, and Beckenbauer, right? So he was in yeah, very, yeah. very, yeah. very good company. Um, for Hamburg, he played 90 games and had 30 goals. Um, and people forget, when he joined Liverpool, he was the British transfer record at half a million pounds. Like, mm. he was an unbelievable player. And he's someone that himself says that he didn't have all the talent in the world, but he worked and worked and worked and he just worked hard but i think he does himself a disservice because he also was a bloody good player like he was a key part of that incredible liverpool team and then to go to hamburg who were one of germany's biggest teams like obviously now it's easy to forget because they're in the bundesliga spy and they're an absolute basket case but they are one of the like historic great german clubs and he won the Bundesliga with them there for the first time in a very, very long time. Like he had a very successful spell there, and it got off mm. to a horrible start. Like he hated his life there. He wasn't fitting in. He was thinking of going. He got sent off for punching a player. He got banned for eight games, and then he like gets his head down, learns German, moves into a little village, 
his form takes an upturn and he becomes, again, a cult hero at Hamburg. I think it's like a really interesting part of his career and a player that people forget about because they remember him shouting on Sky. Like, yeah. 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 I think a lot of it, and what you were saying earlier about like researching players and, and kind of forgetting where, where they were. And I know, I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't have forgot that Gigan played in Germany, but I think a lot of people probably would have or just didn't mm. know. But yeah, as you say, he won two Ballon d'Ors there. And yeah. I'm not I'm not 100% that he deserved both of them Ballon d'Ors, but either way, he got them. And well, that's he, it. It can be like when Nedved won it ahead of Henri, right? It still yeah, counts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. He, he probably suits German football quite well because... Mm. From what people say about Keegan, he was kind of one of the best, like pressing forwards as well. So, I mean, he would have done well these days as well, like in, either in the Bundesliga or in like yeah. Klopp's Liverpool team or something like that. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a could do could do it all. You know, he was small, but he had that fight mm. and that, that hard work, as you say, and was a baller as well. Well, that's it exactly, and like I think with him being small as well you kind of forget that he was actually pretty tough and he was like mm. he was a hard guy if you know what i mean he was like and yeah his natural fitness you're right was incredible and to be a key part of that liverpool team and then do so well in germany um i think says how good a player he was and like mm. the fact i do i do enjoy a kevin keegan story about him like just being a calamity but as a player he was very very good <laughs> like mm. Um, so, who do you have at number eight? I've got another Bundesliga player. I've got Jaden Sancho. Oof, nice. Now, this guy didn't make my list, so I'm excited. Why did you choose Jaden? So, I think what it was for me was he was doing it as a teenager. And it's his first his first club. Like, a lot of them, other than Hargreaves, a lot of them would have spent, like, the most of their career in their home country. And mm-hmm. yeah, moving abroad's tough, but I guess at least if, if you're moving abroad as an experienced professional, then you've only got to adapt to life outside of football. Like on the pitch, it should be, mm. you know, a little bit more seamless. But he just, yeah, he came out of Man City's academy and going to, to Dortmund, like that's a completely different circumstance. And he's, he's sort of really really quickly developed into like one of the best in the world in this position like first yeah. season he was on the bench a lot but every time he sort of come on he managed to get an assist or something and yeah he was just kind of one of them guys in the end he'd be getting so much end product and yeah it, it wasn't i don't know he, he just did everything really he wasn't particularly fast or or strong but he just had just enough of everything and mm. he's slowly starting to show that now at United. It's weird like, seeing him at United now. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's still taking a while, I think. But yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sort of slowly seeing the player he is. But yeah, for how young people forget probably how mm. young he started. He started as a 17 year old there. It's, yeah, it's mental. Um, it is mad. It is mad. You're right. And like Dortmund are a huge club as well. It's not like he's mm. gone to a mid table. Like there's a lot of, okay, Dortmund forever just underachieve almost, but there's like a huge fan base, massive club, big mm. history. And he's kind of paved a way for English youngsters that we're seeing now a little bit more. He is yeah. like the first name that people talk about when they go, oh, it can work for English youngsters to go abroad because Jaden Sancho did it, right? And he's kind of yeah. properly opened that path. So I think, yeah, I think he probably does deserve a spot on the list. Um, seeing him at United now is a little bit disheartening, but I think it shows that he had such a great relationship with Haaland. Like him and Haaland played so well together. And also, he was passing the ball to Haaland. That helps you get more assists. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah. As, as opposed to, like, a Ronaldo who's not interested. Like, so that, that does help. But I think his relationship with Haaland was incredible. And you're right. Every time I saw him play, or every time I checked Dortmund's results, it would always be Sancho goal or Sancho assist pretty much every yeah. time. It was insane. Yeah, a bit, a bit off topic. But speaking of Haaland... I was thinking, do I put him in? He was born in Leeds, but I, don't know. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't do that. That's a massive shout. That's a massive yeah. shout. Yeah. 
but no, <laughs> I, don't know. I couldn't, couldn't bring myself to do that, unfortunately. But yeah, he, he would have been right there for sure. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been near the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> number seven. Do you want to go with your number seven first? Uh, my number seven is so we've already talked about him a bit, Gary Lineker. Okay, nice. Okay, so what what made you move him a little bit higher? Was it the registration, like the yeah? Well, I think it was thing? that. Yeah, a, f- a few of these guys that kind of played around the the like late eighties and stuff, because it it feels like there was a lot of if English players go abroad at all, it was either obviously now or in the 80s but none of them really mm-hmm. went in the 90s and and 2000s but yeah it was I guess if it was ever fashionable it was a little bit when when the nickel was going but they had that yeah two-person foreign registration rule so that mm-hmm. that was probably what bumped him up a little bit higher than uh, than like fair nine or ten or anything fair um, no, I think it's hard to disagree. It's hard to disagree. For number seven, I've got another player that we've already discussed, Owen Hargreaves. So I put him a little bit higher. And this was purely because I was just counting trophies. And it was like yeah, four yeah. league titles, three cups, a Champions League. I was like, okay, four league titles has to be a little bit higher, I think. That's a solid, um, yeah, solid argument. Yeah. And he's he's played so long, like, uh, in terms of his, the bulk of his career has been over there. Like, you can't mm-hmm. really say that about many many of these others on, on my list anyway so yeah so uh my yeah my number six as well we've we've talked about so my number six okay. is kevin keegan nice i like that you put keegan a little bit higher i feel like i've done him a disservice i think he must he's probably I'd say, oh, he's not but he's one of the earliest players on my list like in terms of when yeah he went yeah, yeah yeah one of one of yeah 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 yeah, yeah definitely because he, yeah, he joined early eighties, right? I need to mid eighties, early eighties. Uh, double I check think, the date again. I think it was late late seventies. He he went there because he actually left before Hamburg won the European Cup. So yeah, uh, 70, 77 He joined. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they won it in about I think eighty three, something like that. Like just yeah, I think just after Villa won it. I think so. Yeah, he's. He missed that. I think if he'd got that as well, then he'd be even higher for me. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, My number six is a player that my dad would always talk to me about for hours on end because, to my shame, my dad, if he had to pick a Premier League team, it would be Tottenham. And he absolutely loved this player. And it's Glenn Hoddle I've chosen as my number six. Um, Okay. I kind of... A weird player, I think, because if we talk about players that were undervalued in England, I think Glenn Hoddle is the player who was undervalued, barely picked for the England team, um, was seen as a luxury because he didn't run much. But if you ask any French player, any foreign player who is England's greatest player of all time from a certain era, they will say Glenn Hoddle. And his time at Monaco under Arsene Wenger was incredible. Yeah. He he credits it with extending his with like extending his career. He won the title there, like a proper, to use a cliche, Rolls Royce of a player kind of thing, right? Yeah, I I don't have him in mind. I was okay. Thinking, I, he was one that I was sure I was going to put in my list, right? And then when I kind of looked into it, I thought, oh, did he really? I I actually did it just on based on kind of number of games he played but okay I've, I've read like some of Arsene Wenger's books and seen his you know seen tons of interviews and, and things like that and yeah two of the players that he, he talks about the most in terms of like ex-art not including Arsenal players would be George Ware and, and Glenn Hoddle at Monaco mm-hmm. and he did yeah and that was quite a lot of English players were going over to France at that point there's mm-hmm. There's one that's on my list a bit later. Yeah. And there was, well, he's Irish, but he's not really Irish. Tony Cascarino. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a few, I think there was a few others that, that kind of went over there that didn't didn't do as well. But yeah, Hoddle was one, I think for, for a year or two, he was he was excellent at Monaco. 
But mm. yeah, in, I, I think he played a lot more games there than he than he did. Well, he's he it says that he joined in eighty seven and left in ninety one. But I think like he didn't play the entirety of that time because he only got sixty nine appearances for twenty seven goals. And in his first season, eighty seven, eighty eight, as I said, he won the league and he won best foreign footballer in league. Um, yeah. So I think. As with Hargreaves, I said I counted trophies and that's how he's got so high. Glenn Hoddle hasn't won as many trophies, so maybe my system isn't consistent. But I think his legacy, the legacy he left at Monaco, seems to be quite a big legacy there. Yeah, and Monaco, like they're not a big side either. So no. he's going to go down as one of the greatest players, even only playing a few years there, just because of the fact that, yeah, they definitely really had that many... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And many great players over the years, and if they do, yeah, they normally do get pinched by. They, yeah, they leave pretty quickly usually. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's that's a good shout. I, I say I, I thought he would definitely be on my list, um, but yeah, for some reason he it wasn't in the end. <laughs> so who's your who's your number six? Wait, we did your number six. Did we do? Your yeah, number? my yeah. six was Keegan. So my five uh, is. McManaman. Oh, okay, some right. Nice. Really, I really don't know where to put some of these, right? Um, but yeah, I guess maybe he should be higher because of what he won. Two Champions Leagues, man of the match in the final. I think got a scissor yeah. kick in, in the first one. And he was kind of, you know, he was always playing. He wasn't always starting games. Mm-hmm. But he's always impacting the game and it... Yeah, it's just weird seeing an English English player really did it better, didn't he, than the most. He he did, he did. And it's a player like so the first country I moved to when I moved abroad, I moved to Spain and I moved to Madrid. And obviously <laughs> with my adult classes, it takes two minutes to start talking about football. And all the Real Madrid fans, I was expecting them to be like David Beckham, Michael Owen, all of them were like Steve McManaman. They were obsessed with Steve McManaman. They absolutely loved him. Um, And they saw him as like a player who, because towards the end of his career, they started, or towards the end of his time at Real Madrid, they started moving to the Galacticos thing and they were trying to get rid of McManaman. And he just refused to leave. He's like, no, I want to play for this team. I want to play for this club. I'm going to prove to you that I'm worth playing. Um, and he won in the end. He got his second Champions League medal. There was a point where him and Perez were really not getting along. Um, Perez decided that Del Bosque wasn't allowed to play him. And there was a poll in one of the newspapers. I can't remember which one. And it said that 90% of Real Madrid fans wanted McManaman to play. Like, he was crazy popular. Um, and one of my students said that he was the player who, like, he was like the glue for the team. Like he just made sure that everybody else did their job really well. Um, mm. And he was like such a key player. I think he's a little bit higher up in my list, but I think it's because I was influenced by all my students in Madrid yeah, who absolutely that's... loved him. Like... But they know what they're talking about. Like they're, they're <laughs> Maybe, I'm, maybe. I'm very convinced by that argument, to be honest. Like if you, if you can get actual Real Madrid fans talking mm. about that and, and, Almost, yeah, confirming that that he was really the best British player that, or English player that played for them. Then, yeah, that's that's a very good argument. Yeah, well, they're, they're, these are fans that booed Ronaldo, right? They will boo anyone, <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah. they seem to love McManaman. So, I thought yeah. that was quite strong. So, uh, who, who have you got at five? Number five, I've gone for. Glenn Hoddle's singing partner in Chris Waddle. Um, yeah. So, again, a player that my dad used to love telling me about how good, how beautiful he was to watch, his dribbling. I think he never looked particularly like a footballer, but he was a great, great footballer. Um, yeah. And I love that he played at Marseille. Like Marseille are a, a club that really fascinate me because I like the culture around it. I like that they're kind of rebellious and this city that nobody likes and they just don't give a shit and he did really well there he was voted their second best player of all time yeah. only behind now Jean-Pierre Papin is it Jean-Pierre I may have just made up a French name yeah Jean-Pierre Papin yeah. okay right <laughs> that's fine yeah I've, I've got him one higher actually I've got him fourth but okay yeah, I think yeah for me he was definitely better than Hoddle 
and mm-hmm. I've got a uh, a mate who's a book Shepherd Wednesday, and he was saying when he was growing up, he had like a DVD of Chris Waddle. Or no, it wouldn't have been a DVD, would it? <laughs> would have been a, <laughs> a, 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 a massive yeah. VHS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 of of Waddle, and they yeah they did a whole thing about his time in in Marseille, and yeah, I mean Jean Pierre Papin is yeah re- regarded as one of France's greatest ever players, but mm-hmm. Waddle was like the star of that team, and that that team had like Abadé Pelé in it. I think yeah. when he was there, Desai probably just would have been coming through mm-hmm. as well. And mate, I don't know if Bartes was too young um, to be in that team, but yeah, it was a really good side. But he was he was the man. He was winning trophies, just yeah, wicked player, and he just dominated the French league completely. Well, this is it. They won. They won Liga three years in a row. Um, yeah, they won it 89, um, 88, 89, no wait, 89, 90, 90, 91, 91, 92. They lost the Champions League fight or the European Cup final, as it would have been then, to Red Star mm. Belgrade. So he came runner up, and then he came second in the Ballon d'Or behind Papin again. I always feel like yeah. I wonder how he feels about Papin, their second best player, and then second in the Ballon d'Or behind him. Yeah. I'll- yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he deserved that, to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Definitely, if they did it the year before, and mm-hmm. and they got to the Euro final the year before, because then he would have had the kind of World Cup running yeah. there as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, they, and they only lost it on penalties anyway. So I know. Yeah, it was close. It was close. Got, it was close. Got very close. Yeah, but yeah, he's just he's one of them. He's one of the first players I think I, I heard about like being very good. Mm-hmm. abroad and yeah just just killing it so yeah he's just one higher he's a four for me okay so he's your number four nice okay yeah. okay should we go to my number four then or yeah yeah okay so number four i've gone for david beckham i didn't know how high to put him up because when I looked back at his Real Madrid career, it was less impressive than I thought. Mm. I assumed he would have won more. I'm not sure why. Yeah, he didn't. Because it wasn't until the last season that he won the league mm-hmm. title. It's weird because Man United also didn't win anything when he left. And then when <laughs> yeah, they won yeah, the yeah. league again, he also won it. And he got left out, didn't he? Because they, I think he agreed mid-season go to LA Galaxy and they stopped playing and they needed him to yeah. sort of win the league in the end. He, he got some <laughs> crucial assists and stuff. I, yeah, I think as much as Real Madrid's obviously the main, the main part of his like, foreign journey, but he was, he was abroad for like 10 years. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He was gone for, he was gone for a while, like, and he's the first English player to win the league in four different countries, right? Um, yeah. So he won. He won Liga. He won La Liga. He won the MLS. Obviously, yeah. and he won the Premier League. And I think that's why I put him so high up because I did expect him to have a few more La Ligas. I forgot the whole controversy at the end as well. And like, then he even tried to cancel his move to LA Galaxy. They tried to convince him to stay, but LA Galaxy were like, "Nope, it's been signed. He has to go now." But then he was maybe the first person or one of the first people to really put the MLS on the map, right? To make it yeah. like this is going to be a serious league. And I think to have cool. yeah, to have that much impact maybe means that he deserves to be so high up. And now he owns a franchise there that are terrible, but he owns a franchise there. Mm. Yeah, I so I had him one higher as well. I had him at three. And it was because of that that word impact. Mm. Like it was okay. I think there probably was better players on the pitch, but kind of what what he did and especially his influence on the MLS. Because I don't remember, obviously, like in the 70s, there was loads of them that went over there, like Pele, George mm-hmm. Best, Bobby Moore and all that. And then he, MLS was just, no one went there for about 30 no. years. No. And then he turned up. And then suddenly you got people like Omri, Perlo, mm-hmm. Lampard, Gerard, Ibrahimovich, everyone sort of, going there now for retirement yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's because <laughs> he set the trend there really and even at Madrid I know McManaman got there first but um, 
maybe Owen, I'd imagine probably joined because mm-hmm. Beckham was there. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's that it's that influence and the impact, but it's it's very interesting hearing you say what the Madrid fans thought of McManaman because that's a mm. really that's a really good good argument, I think. Well, they absolutely loved him. I think they liked they liked Beckham. They loved watching him. He, he scored some great goals, had some great assists. He played well for them. It's just the club was a bit of a basket case at that point. Because I think Perez was like he worked under maybe four or five different managers. He started with Queiroz, then it was Camacho, then there was someone else, and it was Del Bosque. And I think it was just the presidents were changing. So I think the whole club was a bit of a mess at the time, which obviously reflects on the pitch. But then you look at the team that he was playing in, and you're like, he was in a midfield with Zidane and Figo. You're like, how is that team ever not winning the league every year? <laughs> like... Yeah, I, thought, I saw him play, actually, at Madrid. In that, oh, nice. In that, in that game, well, not in Madrid. I saw him play for Madrid. Uh, it was in that game we drew 0-0 at Highbury. Oh, wow, right. The hell? Yeah. And I think the main highlight of that game, well, there's two, it's Jens Lehmann's save yeah. from Raul. And uh, late in the game, Perez shot from like the halfway line and Roberto Carlos kind of just ran back. And cleared up for I that. remember I that, yeah. My God. I can't remember what, he must have gone up for a corner or something. But yeah, that was that was like possibly the best game I've ever been to, like in terms of... Mm. Not obviously not the, the actual game, but like the atmosphere and the, the joy of winning it and even though it was near yeah, 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 playing yeah. through and stuff. So yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Mm. But yeah, he's uh, he's free for me. Who who have you got at number three? Okay, so number three for me is a player that we've already talked about and we talked about him a lot. It's Steve McManaman. Um, I put yeah, him in number sense, three. Yeah. yeah um I, I, I think it's a good shout for you bringing the, the sort of Madrid angle into it with, with the actual, you know, Madrid fans getting mm. their opinion on it. That, that's, can't really ask for much more than that. No, well, this is, a, and that is why I put him so high up because I just remembered how much they absolutely loved him, how much they would talk about him and how much like he really did fight to, as I said before, he really did fight to stay at that club. Like he could have left so many times. I think there were so many Premier League teams after him. Lazio offered for him. Like there was offers all over the world. And he was like, no, I want to stay at Real Madrid. I love this club. I love Madrid. I love the lifestyle. He really, really integrated himself in the city and in the culture. And a player that we're going to talk about possibly soon didn't quite do that. Um, and I think maybe that's why the Real Madrid fans love McManaman more. But I think he really, really um, did fall in love with the country and the culture. And yeah, scoring a bicycle kick in a Champions League final and being man of the match, I was like, you can't really ask for much more than that. And he got three La Liga titles. Was it three? Uh, yeah, something like that. Two or three, yeah. Two, was, two yeah, La Liga in titles. Last, in the last season, he... Uh... He just got enough, didn't he? Appearances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a top a top shout. Yeah, with that. And talking of scoring bicycle kicks in Champions <laughs> League finals, uh, my number two. I'd imagine he's got a very good handicap. Yeah. Uh, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> now I could talk about Bale for an hour. Like I am a little bit. <laughs> I'm fascinated by him. I'm absolutely fascinated by him. Um, but he's also my number two, right? We can just say that now. He's also my number two. So yeah. why did you put him at number two? I mean, he's just he's just won so much and also yeah. just contributed in the big, big moments. Yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like he's turned up and been on the bench in that. and Or even, you know, in the starting lineup. He scored the winner in the Champions League final. <laughs> And and do you remember that goal against Barcelona where he sort of ran off the pitch? Yeah. Around, yeah. Uh, around yeah. the and then still got the ball. That was in the final. Yeah. Uh, he got two in two against Liverpool in the final. And I think he also kind of, in another game um, when they won it in 2016, I think he might have scored in the, the semi-final he scored well. the He scored in the 110th minute against Atletico to make it yeah. 2-1. And then they just collapsed and it ended up 4-1. But yeah, he scored in the Copa del Rey final against Barcelona. He scored in 
two of the four Champions Leagues that he's won. In the other two finals, he scored one of the penalties in the shootouts. Like, I don't know what more he has to do for Real yeah. Madrid fans to like him. I don't know what else he has to do. Yeah, I just think that, like, because when he came, before he came, Real Madrid were getting a lot of points in the league and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they just weren't getting enough to compete with that Barcelona team. And, you know, I really rate Ozil. And I think, especially in, in Real Madrid, he was brilliant. Yeah. But Bale, Bale just had that goal threat that meant you had him, Benzema and Ronaldo. Because you did need three guys, really, that could put the ball in the back of the net to mm-hmm. compete with that Barcelona team. And they've absolutely smashed it. Like, four four Champions Leagues in five years is just yeah. ridiculous. Because like, no, one's, no one's retained it since the 50s. No. Or, no, no, since Milan, wasn't it? But before then, it was like mm-hmm. since the 50s or 60s. And... Yeah, they've just gone on one four and five in this era. Like, and I still feel like, weirdly, the team isn't talked about a lot. Like, that Barcelona team is talked about more than this Real Madrid team. And that yeah. Barcelona team won two Champions Leagues, arguably, yeah. with a yeah, big gap yeah. in between them, right? With a big gap yeah. in between them. Because they had the one against Arsenal in 2006, then they won twice against United, right? Did they win twice yeah. against United? Yeah. yeah, so they got two, arguably three Champions Leagues. This team, well, got it was four. two. Un- it was two under Pep, and that was the yeah. kind of yeah. And this, the, yeah, they got four. Um, and yeah, he's he was just always there for the good times. And actually, last year Real Madrid was really bad, and he was mm-hmm. on loan at Tottenham. So, uh, yeah, he's yeah, it's just mental and. He's one of them players that can just kind of turn it on after not playing. Yeah, yeah. You see him play for Wales now, and it's it's like he's not. It's like he's playing every week for Real Madrid. He just turns up. He's like, right, I'm getting two goals today. Bang, done. I think I I find it so fascinating because I think if I was him, the way the media treats him, I'd be like, no, fuck you guys. I'm not doing interviews. I'm not getting involved because the media treat him awfully. But then I think. There are things that he's done where I'm like, come on, Gareth, you've been there seven years. You probably should know a bit of the language. You probably should want to hang around with your teammates a little bit. But if that's his personality, if he's just introverted and just wants to play golf on his own, then you can't really have a go at him for that. I don't know. I feel like obviously both sides have like done wrong, but I feel like the way the press treats him is absolutely disgusting. And the Real Madrid fans are in general, the most ungrateful fans on the planet. I think I don't know what more. What he needs to do to is do. get himself removed to. I don't. I don't know. The Spanish would know a bit better. What's the kind of local club to La Manga? Oh God, um, is that Costa del Sol, La Manga? I'm not I'm sure. sure. I'd have to so check that. Maybe Granada, or get... yeah, maybe Granada. I'm not sure. Yeah, he needs to get himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be good for him. But yeah, he's yeah, he's just so it's so weird. It's so weird how someone who's done so much for a club can get so much hate. Yeah, like, it's like if he play if he played for Arsenal, there would be a st- there would be three statues outside the stadium. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's baffling. It really is. But yeah, he's uh, he didn't quite make number one. I've got a feeling that you might have the same one as me. But yeah, go go for it. Who have you got? So number, number one, one is um, a shout for the history fans, and I think another Welshman, which genuinely um, kind of as I wrote them down, I was like, wow, the top two are from Wales. Like you forget how many good players Wales have produced, and it is Juventus legend, the gentle giant. Um, John Charles, I think he had yeah. to be the natural choice. Yeah, yeah, I got him at one, and that was kind of good. Good, we're in agreement. In my mind, I was always going to put him at number one. Yeah, yeah. If Juve fans voted him their greatest ever foreign player, and like they mm-hmm. had like Zidane and <laughs> people like that, so yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they've had a few decent foreigners. Yeah, what I what I love about John Charles is that. He still now Juventus fans still know about him. So he played there in the fifties, right? Yeah. Um, 
They still know about him. They still absolutely love him. He was called um, Il, Giguan, Il Gigante Buono, which means the gentle giant. Um, he played centre-back and in attack. They yeah. always said that he, he would score a goal, then drop deep and make sure you won the game. In his first three games for Juventus, he scored the winning goals in all three games. And his goal-scoring record for them is absolutely mad. I just need to find it quickly. It is... 155 appearances, 108 goals. He won Serie A three Italian times. football as well. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be defensive. So that's yeah, that's insane. Yeah, especially in the 50s, especially in the 50s. Um, in his first season, he was top scorer with 28 goals, and he was voted Player of the Season. He came third in the Ballon d'Or in 1959, but. He created a great relationship with Bonaparte and Sivori, and they were like mm. they were called the Holy Trinity, and they were like they are still Juventus legends. And if you go onto Twitter, onto Google, and you search John Charles Del Piero, there's a picture. I don't know if you've seen it of both of them, and Del Piero is meeting him, and Del Piero is looking at him like he's meeting Santa Claus. It's incredible. Yeah, like the I smile on his I've face is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's an incredible yeah. photo. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the other thing as well with, with Charles is like he's not only the best, but he's the first to do it in terms mm-hmm. of like go abroad and actually really kill it over there. And yeah, we, we did a pod not that long ago on um, the best Argentinian players and Sivori was on that list actually. Nice. And it, yeah, it was kind yeah, of like yeah. a, like a little, I know Sivori not technically an out-and-out striker, but it was kind of mm-hmm. like a little and large partnership so they exactly each other quite well and yeah it's just yeah it's weird isn't it how the the best two are both welsh it's it it does feel strange but i feel like wales have been so close to qualifying for world cups quite a few times Mm. they've just never quite got there they have had good players they've just never quite had enough good players to get there like if you think about the fact they had um Oh, the Everton goalkeeper. What was his yeah, name? Yeah, ne- so uh, yeah, Neville Southall. So we um we had Pat Nevin on, right? And he was saying that right. He Neville Southall used to like so for like twenty minutes they'd be taking shots against him and not scoring. Jeez. But he wasn't he wasn't using his hands. He was saving oh it with his God. head and his shoulders and, and stuff like that. And this is when like Gary Lineker and stuff was there. So yeah. Like you forget, like you forget how good he was and how good some Welsh players have been. I think John Charles is still considered, maybe still considered the greatest Welsh player yeah. of all time. I think Bale is maybe pushing him at this point. But I love why John Charles is number one is because he still has that legacy. And like, yeah, in Juventus, they are still absolutely in love with him. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I can just imagine. Um, yeah, if I went to the sort of stadium tour over there or, or something like that then yeah mm-hmm. he'll just be plastered in yeah in john charles stuff really so yeah that's a good a good shout so in terms of coming out of a joint list so we've actually got the same five at the top but in yeah. a different order i i really like your McManaman argument actually so i'm okay. i'm happy to go with your with your five at the top so Charles, I'll take that. One. I'll take that as a win. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charles one, uh, Bale two, McManaman three, Beckham four, and Waddle five. Because nice. yeah, I, I don't really think you can you can argue with Madrid fans themselves saying McManaman <laughs> over Beckham. Like, yeah, you can't really ask for anything more there. So as often is the case on this podcast, it's the six to ten. Right, um, which is a bit harder at the time. Um, so I'm gonna I, say, I'm gonna say we need to create like I need to create space for Sancho because I think you've made a good point with Sancho being in there. Um, and I think maybe if I had to get rid of one player for Sancho, I might say. Hoddle, maybe, seeming as you don't have him on your list. Maybe we need to call Glenn. Yeah, I, I do think I do think Hoddle probably... It's, it's weird not having him on there, though, isn't it? Because of how right. good he was. 
mm. at the same time. I see. I'm happy to get rid of Hargreaves, but I get your point about trophies and that. But I, I, I just want Wright Phillips on the list just because I, I mean, we need out, like Bradley can't there. move. Bradley's not yeah. moving. He needs to be on there. Um, yeah. Should we just get rid of Owen? Should we get rid of Owen? Yeah, because we're not sure if he's actually. Yeah, it was kind of a wild card anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've I've got Keegan at six. Okay. Yeah, just because I guess the Ballon d'Ors, whether or not they're fully deserved, is is kind of what pushed <laughs> it a little bit, a little bit over the line for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. No, I think Keegan at six is fair. I think that yeah, you're right. The two Ballon d'Ors. They are that's massive, like two consecutive Ballon d'Ors. That doesn't sound great now because we've had Ronaldo and Messi, but at the time, that's insane. I don't think any British players want to accept him. No, 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 no. So that's yeah, even like Bobby Charlton and stuff. So yeah, that's uh... right. And then seven. Uh, so we've got we've got people like Hoddle, Lineker. That is probably. Probably those two, isn't it? I've got Sancho, mm-hmm. but seven seems. I think Sancho high. needs to be a little bit lower. Sancho, maybe. Should we say right Phillips ten and Sancho nine, something like that? Yeah, I think out, figure out seven because because MLS isn't Bundesliga, right? MLS isn't yeah. Bundesliga. Yeah. Um. So I guess it's between it's between Lineker and and Hoddle really, which um. Yeah, I don't really mind to be fair. Whatever one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, Gary, but I'm gonna say Hoddle because he actually won the league. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've got. I think we've got it then. So at number ten, Bradley Wright Phillips. Nice. Number nine, Jaden Sancho. Number eight, Gary Lineker. Number seven, Glenn Hoddle. Number six. Kevin Keegan, number five, Chris Waddle, number four, David Beckham, number three, Steve McManaman, number two, Gareth Bale, and number one, John Charles. Not bad. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I, I like it. Yeah, considering like uh, there's not that many players that have gone abroad, that's a pretty, a pretty solid list. Uh, right, Phillips is probably thinking, "Wow, that's amazing to get in there." Like, <laughs> he's but, done well. He's yeah, definitely he done, done well. well. Yeah, yeah, but he, he earned it. Definitely, sure. definitely. Yeah, but yeah, as I say, you know, you know, uh, you know what it's like to go abroad. How, so, how many countries have you lived in? Spain? Is it Kazakhstan? You've lived in for a bit, and. Yeah, so I did two years in Spain, two years in Poland, um, a year in Kazakhstan, and then now this is my fifth year in Milan, which is a bit crazy. Um, I've been here a while now, five years, four years, five years. Yeah. So yeah, travel around a bit. And one of the things, actually, when you said about John Charles moving away in the 50s, I was like, it was difficult for me to move away in 2012, whenever it was. Can you imagine moving to a different country in the 50s? That's like yeah, potentially, yeah. you know, not seeing your family for like 10 years. If You know what I mean? You didn't just go home yeah. at Christmas. Like, it's just, it was different, right? It's different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that adds to how, yeah, how good mm-hmm. it was as well to, to go over there and do that. Because just in general, not only British players, but back in the 50s, like most players were just playing in their homeland really yeah i think italy even in at their hometown you just stayed in yeah, your hometown yeah. club right <laughs> like... yeah and italy i think they had a lot of argentinians maybe but yeah it was one of after after england and maybe germany italians probably do tend to stay in Serie yeah. a little bit more than the last yeah well i remember there was a there was a World Cup. I can't remember which one, and there was the most the squad with the most domestic based players, and it was England and Italy. Both had all their squads based in um, mm. their own country, and Saudi Arabia was the other one, I think. Which is of always course, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's a bit weird. There's like England, Italy, Saudi Arabia, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll cover those next time. 
Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, ch- cheers for coming on, Rory. And uh, before we let you go, if you want to sort of let the guys know where they can find you and your podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us on, man. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, so we are on. I always get these mixed up on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod because someone stole our tag. We do live shows on YouTube and on Twitch on Monday evening from eight o'clock Central European time. Please join us on that where we review all the weekend's action, mainly focusing on Italian and English football, but we do do a little bit of Europe when we can. Then we release our podcasts um, on Friday. We talk about, again, English-Italian football. We try and do a weekly topic. We get guests on. Um, so, yeah, we're on Spotify, everything. Italian Anglo, Anglo-Italian pod. I've got my own podcast name wrong. Anglo-Italian pod. Come and check us out. And, again, thanks for having us on. And you've got a blimp as well, which is always... We do, which takes good. us all the way around Europe. It's looking a bit yeah. tired now, but it, it gets us there. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, yeah ch- cheers again, Rory, for coming on. And guys, Beautiful. remember to keep it. Three, 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 three. No, no.